He's a writer. And on top of that, he's a functioning human being in today's commercial society. I just figured I'll make it. Even if worst comes to worst, it'll just be in a digital format. They're the people that are most likely lost or have not really ever asked themselves the question, what is my purpose in life? Welcome to Toy Division episode 44. This episode is a chat with a guy behind Untold Stories, which is a newly released book. Um, I'll put details on how to get hold of the book in the show notes. We did have a few technical issues, but I think I've edited it together and it sounds pretty crisp. Please subscribe. If you do like this, or if you're finding some worthiness from it, give us a five-star review and share with your mates on social media. And yes, t-shirts are still in the planning phase. Everyone that's asking, yeah, they, they will come out. I just am running out of time to do it, but it will happen. Anyway, enough of me babbling shit. Please enjoy. Thanks again for coming on and being chatted to incessantly by me. Uh, this is another episode of Toy Division, but today we're not gonna talk about your individual graffiti career as such. We're actually going to talk about a pretty exciting project that is about to bless the world. So we're talking about your new book. So can you tell us a little bit about it to start off with the kind of the introduction? Okay, well, the book is a seed of untold stories inside graffiti writing culture is the name of the book. Uh, it wasn't the original title. It's kind of grown. Um, and it, it was a seed that was in me many, many years ago and over the years started to get more and more water and grew by itself. And it got to a point where it was like an, it sounds stupid, but an unborn baby inside me. And I kept having excuses or reasons why I shouldn't make it or I couldn't make it. I couldn't possibly manage it because I didn't have the cash to finance it and all this kind of jazz. But at some point I realized, first of all, I've got to get this thing out of me. Second of all, uh, if we if we live by the, the idea, if you build it, they will come. Um, I just figured I'll make it. Even if worst comes to worst, it'll just be in a digital format. Um, or if I make it and self-publish one, and then with that, I can then possibly see if I can get some sort of support or turn it into you know, a more widespread book. But the actual concept came because uh, I've been involved in graffiti since I was eight, I believe. I, I did this calculation the other day, tried to figure out, I can't remember before eight having graffiti in my life, but I have absolute clear memories when I was eight, the first times that it absolutely blew my mind. Um, and I'm now in my 40s. So having said that, uh, graffiti has accompanied me throughout my whole life. And throughout those different phases in my life, it has either shadowed me or helped me and propped me up and given me, um, given me reason to exist when things around me just like, why the hell do they do this? I don't get it. And graffiti just was always there, never let me down. Um, it sometimes disappointed me, but more often than not actually made me happy. And as I got older and I had different friends from different circles and I have lots of interests outside of graffiti as well, I actually started to notice how much graffiti influences and affects those people 
who do it and who who, who um, do it for many many years. It, it's one of those things. It's not a hobby. It's not a sport. It's a passion. It's it's hard to explain. But anyone that does it knows. And at some point too, I realized as I got older and my life circumstances changed, I was put in dilemmas where I know right from wrong and I have to make decisions and graffiti often um, exists in the gray of life, not black and white. So at some point you have to make decisions. Why do I do this? Because, you know, on one hand, I've got these people around me watching what I do and I'm telling them, don't do that. And then I'm doing something else. Why do I do that? And if I do do that, what's the what, what's the justification in my own head behind it and do i even need to justify it anyway as i started asking myself all these questions i started to realize lots of the guys and girls around me that have been doing graft for like 20 years plus are all having similar experiences and nobody's talking about them because some people are i wouldn't say embarrassed but they're not the sort of things they share um, because it exposes themselves and for other people, they can't talk about it because their graffiti practice is very much um, connected to illegality. So therefore sharing it's a risk to them. They don't want that. Uh, this whole kind of scenario interested me more and more. Um, and I started hearing stories that just blew my mind. People who were in certain circumstances where I thought, whoa, that's just crazy. You, you need to record that because at some point you'll forget it or the reality of it will change. The people involved will have died. Um, and then before you know it, you know, it's lost history. And bit by bit, uh, I started documenting these stories. And at some point I actively started asking for them. And at some point I realized this has to be a book uh, and ideally it has to be more books. So there's, there's just so many stories out there. And what was important to me was not to focus on the classic ego stuff that writers tend to define themselves by, but quite often there is always a link that connects us to some degree, even if loosely that link is graffiti. But as with everything on earth, we're all connected somehow. Um, and at some point people have pivotal moments in their lives when something changes or something extreme happens. And from that point, their life is affected by that moment forever. And graffiti is one of those glorious things that brings lots of those moments to your lives. So that's kind of the long, short version of how the book started. Wow. I was going to try and jump in at a couple of points, but you were in the flow state there. I was like, we need to get this info out. I can really sense that, like you're saying, it's almost like you've been Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in Junior. You're a, you're a man with an unborn baby. You just want to get that baby out. And you're like, I'm going to do this. Um, so it sounds really exciting. Now, I have had some contact with you whilst you've been doing this, and I guess there's always the interesting stuff comes out of not necessarily the, the I mean, the final products is always exciting, but I know there can be trials and tribulations. Would you be happy to talk with me about what's been challenging about getting the book done so that people can kind of, because I, I know that a lot of these projects are passion projects because you know me having made this podcast i think when we spoke first time it was maybe one of the first couple of episodes or the in the first 10 it's hard to remember now but it's i've really spoken to a lot of people about that you know that labor of love or that passion project which takes all that time and energy but that feeling of accomplishment when it's come out so would you be interested in kind of 
if I ask a couple of questions about, you know, what was, what's been challenging or what was difficult or some real standout moments, would you be interested in going through that with us? Absolutely. And you've just touched on reams and reams of possible conversation. So you have to keep going back and prompting me otherwise I might lose on a tangent about one or the other. But what I can say is I recently heard someone speaking i mean with this whole corona blah 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 the the current covid times has created a just a mass of people who either are doom and gloom and i hate masks and my freedom's being you know um taken from me and so forth and then on the other hand you've got a whole bunch of people basically saying wow what a chance this is glorious this is what we've been waiting for finally things are changing and i heard something from this one dude who was basically making the point that the people who are struggling at the moment with COVID and, you know, carrying on about masks and, you know, all these luxury problems when there's actual real problems in the world, um, he was saying they're the people that are most likely lost or have not really ever asked themselves the question, what is my purpose in life? Um, and, you know, like I listened to him and I thought, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be some kind of dude that knows everything about nothing. Um, and then all of a sudden he made the good point and basically said, you might not actually get the answer to this question today, but the secret to trying to figure it out is to actually get as close to the things you love on a daily basis as you can. And by doing that, even if you have to do stuff you hate to get to it, when you do that stuff, do it the absolute best you can. But more importantly, there's always going to be crap stuff surrounded in things that you actually want. Um, and at some point in my life, I, I, you know, stopped going for secure things and started heading towards the things I love. And this book is is one of those things. When I started, I had no idea where it was going to go. I knew that I was going to do it to the end. And I knew that at one point I would have a printed copy in my hand. But everything in between only happened because I loved what I was doing. And all of the trials and tribulations actually brought me to where I now am, which is more than I was expecting when I first started. So when we're talking about getting it together, so I'm just going to give some very brief details about the book. So it's, and if this is straight from the Instagram, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be pretty accurate. So 45 international graffiti writers, and that includes 43 pivotal stories. Yep that affected their lives. Now, that's yeah. quite a lot of people to get stories yeah. from. I'm guessing the process wasn't super smooth, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that many people trying to coordinate that type of stuff. Was there anybody that said yes and then bailed out? Was there people that it took a lot of coercing and pushing? You know, you don't have to give too many details, but that's a lot of people. So I guess it, it was probably quite a potentially stressful thing at times. It was, and at times it was a massive workload for what seemed to be at the time a very little result, and other times with very little effort, all of a sudden I got a massive result that I was overwhelmed by. Um, and all of the, the stories behind the stories actually, for me, make it rewarding for the end product. But um, there's, there's quite a few things that you touch on there. First of all, there's lots of egos. Um, there's lots of people moving in various radiuses, people who are purely illegal, purely legal, 
Um, there's people whom I've never met. I only communicated with um, anonymously and, you know, they had to learn to trust me. There are people that I spoke in depth with that then decided not to, because to be honest with you, they didn't take it seriously. They didn't think that it was actually going to happen. Um, and there's people whom I opened up a vault within them that they were often not ready to open when they realized that within their stories, there's actually a lot of pain and, you know, unhealed wounds. So for some, it was cathartic. For some people, it was just pure fun because they focused on something that they remember as like one of the most enthralling moments that, you know, you know, near misses, so to speak. And other people spoke about stuff that they, they're like, you know, this is the first time I've ever A, acknowledged it to myself and B, shared it with the world. It's a little bit nerve wracking to realize that I've done this. So for some people it was monumental, for some people it was just an extension of the fun of their lives, um, but still important moments. They're not just uh, chase stories with happy endings. Um, if there are chase stories, then they're chase stories that move them to some degree so much so that when I asked, you know, do you have a moment in your life that you remember that was graffiti related? Most of them said, yes, I remember this moment when that one was above all of all the other little stories, because obviously most writers have, you know, a whole a treasure trove of stories to share. So I'm looking at some of the people involved. Would you mind me trying to read out some of the, the full list that I've got in front of me? Because it would give some people, because, you know, we're talking about it you know, we're talking about the process, but some of the names of the writers, they're pretty well known. And I'd really like people listening to this to think, oh, shit, that book's got that person in it. And not the typical, like, here's a trackside photo or a panel and then a chase story or it's, it's you know, what I've seen in the production of this and, you know, the minimal amount of involvement that I've had but you've been really going for something different. So I'm just gonna quickly read through this list and hopefully I pronounce them right. So we've got Amok, Australia, Ask, Are You? I don't know, what does that mean? What's Are You? Anyway, work it out. Um, Atome, Atsok, Bilsh, Russia. Russia. Thank you, how ignorant of me. Sorry to everyone that's listening from Russia. Um, Atsok, Bill Sharp, Cakes, Calvin and In3, Cantu, Kazrock, Cento, but with a C. Dart, Dees, Diagram, Dipher, Eckler, Fluster, H-Boo, Hombre, Ibrahim, Wichbenga, sorry, Ibrahim, if I've mispronounced your name. Ike, Giroux, John Derrick, Cam, Chaos, Casino, Kiss, and Billy Badass, Crixel, Lumit, Lowe, Love Pusher, Mason, Nawas, Neob, Norris, Nuno Vegas, Rask, Rebo, Rusk, McLean, Sesco, Spur, Spice, and Wren. Now, I know the people listening is that was a long list, but there's some really big name writers in there. Say that again, sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what did you say? I think you missed Vero. Vero and Eckler. Oh, uh... Uh, Eckler from France and Vero from Belgium. Yeah, apologies to both of them. I didn't leave that out intentionally. I was just trying to read through the um, the list. But, you know, there's some real, I probably, I don't know if a tome or atom or whatever, but there seems to be such a diverse number of writers in there. And 
I'm just really excited by the whole thing. Has there was there any points when you were putting it together where because you know you were saying it was that quite long process, but did you have any moments where you're like, wow, that's a really powerful story in particular? Or you know, you don't have to go through the actual story because that's for people then to read the book. But I guess there were some moments where you were like, wow, this is coming together and this is turning into kind of this metaphorical unborn baby that I've been thinking of producing or putting out into the world for a long time. Uh, yes, for me, there was quite a lot of um, moments where I, I was just like, damn, did I get that? That's awesome. <laughs> um, by the way, you said cento, it was actually cento, because he's Italian. Cento in Italian means 100. Uh, cento's a, a bit of a famous old school Italian writer. So, <laughs> and, and also one of his old bombing partners, sexy, as in sexy. Um, I think you pronounced it C or something like that. Anyway, that, that was important because you've got both of them and they're good friends. So if one hears it and the other one hears it, maybe they'll get upset. Um, <laughs> I, I had many moments where I was amazed that someone would share that with me and glad that they did um, because some people actually shared vulnerable moments where they might actually not live up to their macho um, reputation, should they have one, or a reputation, even if it's not macho, but you know, maybe they brought to light another side of them that, that other people weren't actually aware of. Um, so for me, there was plenty of things where I just went, wow, you know, that's that's amazing. Um, everybody's story impressed me. Um, and for example, some people, they told me the stories and they weren't necessarily big name writers, but when they told me the stories, I'm just like, that's that's cool like no one does that i think you're the first um and so that's what um brought me to them but what was important you mentioned one one person that it's kind of like for me a um sticks out from all the others is hboo hboo's not actually a writer she is the wife of a writer so she told the story of basically being stuck I wouldn't say at home because I'm on holidays, but being stuck back with a kid while hubby goes and paints the train illegally, of course. Um, and I don't know how many writers can relate to that. So for me, it was like one of those moments. Oh, okay. Is this what it's like for, for, for those, those left behind? Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, no, I thought it was very cool. Um, that she would share that because obviously it's completely different perspective and, and writers often have this, you know, I don't give a fuck attitude, but there's people around them who do. So that's part of growing up. You realize a lot of writers have families and all of a sudden it's not just about them anymore. They have to consider kids, wives, you know, people dependent on them. So that was one of the untold stories because everybody just talks about, you know, the in-traffic photo and how fresh the uh, action was and we didn't get done. Um, but yes, there's. I'm, I'm a bit nervous because there's lots of concepts that I could touch on and lots of people's stories where I go, wow, that moved me when I did that. But I'm a bit worried that I might spill the beans for people who want to buy the book. So yeah, I don't know don't, how far to go. Don't spill the beans. No, just even us talking about it. And just as a bit of a disclaimer, massive apologies to anybody's word that I've just mispronounced. 
because <laughs> you're like, well, actually that's this and that's that. So I know that for a lot of people that's very important and uh, there was no one, if I have missed anyone out, that wasn't intentional, but I just really wanted to give that idea of what a broad variety of writers from by the looks of it, pretty much across the world have been included. And I think that's really important as well, because, you know, with this podcast, I've talked to people from as many places as possible. I've had some really helpful people helping me out do that. And I think that getting that broad kind of picture about how graffiti is such a worldwide thing. And also, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess maybe you're going for a similar sort of style that maybe me and the graffiti machine, not in terms of the content, but trying to make the graffiti culture realize there's a bit more to than just the same old, what paint do you use? What pens do you use? Panel photos. There's so much more to it and how it's such a encompassing and complex part of so many people's lives. And it's often the actual painting becomes almost unimportant. It's almost just like the side point of all the extra stuff and all the experiences that we have. Yes, I can relate to that. Um, and I'm sure many people can. And part of part of wanting to do this was also because um, I myself have an, am an avid collector of graffiti books. And I'm always interested at this particular artist that do things I'm always interested in reading about what's behind just the pretty pictures. Um, and I've, I got to a point where I realized a lot of these books are so optically driven that I was almost unfulfilled no matter how beautiful the pictures were because I wanted to know more like what's behind that image because I'm guessing that image didn't just come out as a one-off. That's a process there and that process I'd like to know about. Um, and to understand people like that, you you need to know more about them. You need to know about their lives and their experience. And that comes back to the conversation I heard where the guy's basically saying, you've got to know, you know, what's my purpose? And a lot of these writers, their purpose is to make graffiti. And so therefore behind that graffiti is life experience that feeds the graffiti. So it's the story behind the story. Um, and if you if you if you know these stories or read some of them, not only does it shed some light on the genius behind their work, but also, you know, people realize that there's a connection. A lot of people feel less alone when they realize, ah, okay, so they're going through the same thing I am. I thought I was, you know, relatively unique in that thought. And I, I struggled with that, but now I realize, you know what, that's that's okay. Because what I what I've gotten to a point in my life is stop justifying graffiti it's okay to be a writer it's okay to love it it's okay to do it um and i have a lot of people in my life that aren't writers and aren't involved with illegality so for them it's a shock like what this you know these stories about train graffiti yes but before you start judging and pointing fingers at people who do something for purely for the love of it you know look in the mirror and what about that mcdonald's wrapper you just threw out your car window or what about you double parked and you parked in a, in a handicap zone and the poor handicapped dude couldn't get to where he's going because he couldn't park the car maybe all these riders are absolute moral citizens but they just put color onto steel you know and even then train painting is just one aspect of it there's just so many aspects in this book that are not just about classic train graffiti it's just that there are a lot of stories in people's lives, they're involved with that because they are relatively extreme experiences to have. And then without revealing too much about the actual format, 
I mean, I've, I've had a look at some of the samples that have been put out on the... Um, so the Instagram, if anyone's wondering where they can look at it, it's Untold Stories Book on Instagram. Um, there is some really interesting kind of like little snippet bits with some photography and stuff. Was there a drive to make the photography that was actually used as good enough, um, as good enough, the best quality possible? Because I've had a look and the images are very, very crisp and very, very, you know, and there's also a couple where there's, you know, actually getting a bit of an idea of what the writer may look like. Some of them, there's revealed faces and other ones there's not. Was there a real drive to try and make the aesthetic of the book really good quality as well? Um, yes, this is actually, yes and no. Um, this is actually a, a point where you ask about a trial and a tribulation. This is one <laughs> of those moments that when I was working with the public art or public art, the guys that make style, file published the book for me which i'm very grateful they're extremely helpful supportive and when they first heard the idea they're like this is a great idea um so i'm thanks to them this is this is why we're having this conversation now um they have Starfire magazine and it is top notch you can't in my opinion you can't put many other magazines visually to the same quality and say you know cop that um so for me you look at a Starfire mag and everything is 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 top of the rung and a lot of the images in this book are shit. Like, I'm not saying shit images as in they're poor what's in them, but they're, they're photos that were taken in 1986 from a person with a camera that had no knowledge of photography, and that's the only photo that exists. So I had to make the choice. Do I say, nah, that photo's not going in, or do I basically use that photo and try and make it shine? And if that photo has a certain aesthetic, because it was taken in 1986 on a crap Insta Instamatic camera with a flash and it's flash blown, do I try and get somebody to pimp that to make it look as modern as possible? Or do I basically show it in its light? Now, bearing in mind, I just used the, um, the example of a photo from 1986 Bill Sharp, who's actually a, uh, has been acknowledged as a historical photographer in Australia, has got his photos from the 70s. Um, and then on top of that, I've got guys like um, uh, Cam or Cam, who's, who's AKA Rudy One, a photographer, who's now like a, a, a world-class photographer, who has an aesthetic that is, you know, like completely unique. How can I put all that together and then, you know, put a filter on it to make, you know, where's the same button to balance it all out? There's no such thing. So I struggled because some of the images I loved because they were so crap. Other images were so awesome because they were just perfect. And we had to try and find a balance. So we did the best we could. And in some cases, the actual image is extremely important to the story. Uh, and I'll give you an example. There is a picture of a casino train from New York that there, there, no picture exists on earth, at least not to our knowledge. Maybe the MTA had one, but but I couldn't source one and the artist couldn't source one and nobody I knew even knew that it existed. So this one came out of nowhere and the only image I could actually show of that piece where that story was connected to was from a video still that was taken in the 90s with a handy cam that was analog so you know 
if, if people look at it and, and might have an opinion on the quality of the images, they have to understand that this is not a book about the images. The images, although important, in some cases are secondary. It's about the story and what's behind it. And, and in some cases, there's one, there's one particular story that they speak about, the artist speaks about a painting done with an Australian writer who's passed away, Nabbit, who passed away in, I think, 1990, if I recall. Um, and he was a friend of Nabbit's. Nabbit was for him a mentor and basically turned him into an artist because before that he didn't really have an entry into art. Um, and so therefore I actually couldn't source a picture with permission of the piece referred to in the story. And I didn't want to, you know, kind of, yeah, I, I'm, I very much respect rights and, and people's intellectual property. So we had to use other images um, but in this case, the other images don't necessarily directly reflect the story, but they reflect aspects of the story that the artist refers to in it. So the photos, <laughs> the images in the book were a big topic. Well, you know what? I think that, I don't know about you, but I used to have this idea that every single, and this is a kind of a side thing, but you know, I was always going for them a crispest, crispest, most crisp, I'll rephrase that, the most crisp photos I could possibly get. And at the time I was like, my rubbish film camera, I don't hate this, it's so much, it doesn't look good. But I look at those sort of um, images now and I actually love that aesthetic of it. And I guess having a variety of um, images and types of images and having sourced them from a real variety, I personally think that's a bit more real because, you know, if, if everything's super crisp and everything's super perfect it's almost like what we've talked about in a few of the last episodes is you know there's that push to often be very perfect even at painting and then you think well it ends up just being a labor which is not even a labor of love it just ends up looking almost like it's been done in photoshop so I, I, i'm really looking forward to seeing all the different variety of stuff that you've talked about and all the different sources and um even the um video still because that sounds like a pretty exciting thing to have done. So, um, so in terms of then getting it actually, so you said the guys from Stylefile um, really helped you out. Were they the original idea for the publisher or did that kind of come out later on? Because you were saying at the beginning, you didn't really know what was going to happen. You were just like, I'm just going to start doing it and we'll work it out. Did the Stylefile thing, come pretty early in the production phase or was that kind of like a last minute excellent we've got these guys from style file now mm. it somewhere in the middle i would say no no okay the, if i look at the idea because this idea this concept has been in me for years and when i see people self-publish books some of the production qualities are just amazing. So I look at it and just think, well, to finance that, because I'm not the guy that's, you know, Photoshop, InDesign champion. I don't have any of those programs or ability to run them. So I work with people who can do that. Um, but I had this idea, I have access to, to this network and I'm in this. So I don't need to know, I can't, I've acknowledged in my life, I can't do everything. So I just have to know what I can do well. And for things I can't do well or not yet well, I work with people who can that are equally as passionate about what I'm doing and, and 
you know, we create a team. So I did create a team in this sense. The Stylefile connection or the Publicart connection came later because one of the artists in the book is Crixel. Crixel is one of the, the founders of Stylefile. Now, I don't know if anybody knows, um, well, anybody, Germans know, a lot of Europeans know, but in Australia, I'm not sure if the story of Stylefile is clear, but Stylefile magazine was started by writers uh, which turned into a, you know a graffiti web shop, which turned into publishing, which turned into this like massive empire of stuff, um, and they did it all for the love. And Crixel is one of the guys that that founded it, and he still works with them. Um, and he is somebody whom I targeted for a story because I was always interested in his role within graffiti and thought this guy's got like a vault of stories i'm sure just because he's on the peripheral of it every day he's a writer and on top of that he's a functioning human being in today's commercial society you know like he's not just some guy on the dole drinking beers watching other people do stuff he's doing stuff so anyway uh, as an artist as a as a person as a character i really wanted to have him on board and so i started asking him and we started doing drafts of his story and so forth. And of course he delivered exactly the sort of story I was hoping for, something that a lot of people would sort of go, wow, there's a piece of history right there. And as I worked through that process with him, because I edited every story with the authors, and in some cases I had to translate them completely from a foreign language. And in some cases I had to basically translate, but then found that what the message they were saying was different to the words that they literally translated to. So then I had to translate into context and then go back to the author and say, is this what you're trying to say? And then, yes, it is. Those words are exactly what I'm trying to say, but those words don't exist in my language. So um, this whole process grew and Pixel got more and more interested in it. And he said, you know, this is cool. This, this is this is a really good idea. This is, you know. So um, Stylefile or Publicart came out of publishing retirement, so to speak, because the last book they did was the Taps and Moses book, um, because they thought this, as they say, as wine drinkers in Australia say, this this idea has legs. So, and then it grew. And from that point in, um, I kept going upon my way. They gave me more or less creative freedom. Um, they didn't tell me to do anything. They gave me suggestions for things that could be important. Um, for example, images in the book, one of the suggestions was it'd be good if you had a portrait of each artist, not necessarily one that reveals their identity, but, you know, for, for somebody, for example, you mentioned the first artist, Arsky from, um, Dmitry Arsky from Russia. Um, you know, it's, it's a foreign concept to somebody who has no idea about how important this guy is for Russian graffiti um, and how creative he is as an artist. And so therefore, a picture of him would help somebody create that story in their mind because this book is not about pretty pictures. Uh, the words are supposed to be creating the picture in your mind. So the pictures are to pictures are to assist the words. And before this, all the books I loved often had big, beautiful pictures that completely over-dominated the words and in most cases didn't give them any room. And so therefore, for me, a lot of the information behind the image that I would have liked to have known was either brushed over or you know not actually that much detail or that much honesty because obviously there's an element of exposure whether it be to save people from illegality or because people are actually pretty nervous to reveal 
things about themselves. As part of the um, beauty of graffiti is that it's anonymity. That means that you can hide behind a mask and the real person that feeds that mask is there somewhere. And in this case, a lot of these stories actually reveal the person behind the mask without actually revealing who they are. I love it. I can't wait to see this. I can't <laughs> just, I just, the more we're talking about it, I've been pretty excited about it building up because I've, you know, liaged with you and someone else that's been kind of involved with it as well. And it's been such, it seems like, even though I'm seeing it from the, the very much the exterior, the journey seems to have really picked up a lot of momentum and it's really, you know, it's really making, I'm, I'm just so excited. So it'd be such an interesting, publication because you're right there's a lot of graffiti books which can be all well and good but often the actual the ones which i really like are the ones where it actually goes into some pretty deep stuff um similar to podcasts and magazines you know sometimes they're all well and good but the picture can kind of just become not irrelevant such but you know that what, what happened behind it what happened that whole process getting there so i guess then if people are listening and then they want to kind of know. So even though we'll get to how they can get hold of it, because we've already mentioned the Instagram, so that's Untold Stories book on Instagram. And then we were talking about Style Files. That's www.stylefile.com. But we'll go into that a bit more detail, how they can get hold of this when it actually hits the, the shelves or whatever term you would use these days. Um, but in terms of then, you know, the trials and tribulations of doing this, if you could do another one and you, I think you kind of hinted earlier it might be a series of books depending on how popular this one is do you think you would go through the whole process again because it sounds like it was pretty time consuming mm, it was massively time consuming and it was massively energy consuming but I would do it all again in a flash um, however I think this time I would be a little clearer about things because it was the first, some people were somewhat distrustful if they didn't know me and they were like, oh, hang on, you want me to like expose myself and I don't even know who you are. Some people know me intimately and have done for years. So therefore they were like, okay, I get you. I'm, I feel you and I'm gonna make this happen with you. Um, and as a result, you know, for example, there's some short stories that are really short and poignant and there's other long stories. Um, I think the next one would be a lot more focused i would know where not uh, where the pitfalls are and how to prevent them and i think a lot of people who were maybe a little bit distrusting at first would read the book or realize okay this dude's not just you know dreaming and maybe get on board without you know considering and reconsidering and considering um, and just say yeah man i mean i've even had lots of people who i approached and i approached them seriously big people that like from the roots of graffiti you know from graffiti full stop not just you know some dudes i know it's not a me and my mates book um and those people were possibly a little hesitant because and particularly I, I think a lot of the american people who i spoke to are so used to having people as, as they say in beat street taking the bite and leaving the rest um and and creating finance financial gain off them and their histories they might realize that a this is not about money uh, you know like this book for me is purely love and and everybody involved has been rewarded to the absolute best of my abilities 
um, and they might realize, damn, I want to be part of this because this is actually a, a document for history and not some dude trying to cash in again on New York graffiti or the history or, you know, me being blah, blah, blah. Um, in most cases, I would prefer they put that armor off and expose the person behind the armor. Um, that to me would be a good story. So, yeah, I, this is a stepping stone. This is this is this is the first, hopefully, of something more. Um, and yeah, I, I I hope people get on board and check it out because I think most people will relate to to many of the stories. Um, and yeah, this is more. This is the perfect book for a lockdown. This is more than just that, you know, scroll, like, forget of Instagram. You don't need power for it. You can read it anywhere. Um, and this is something I hope makes people reflect and realize that their stories are equally important and that um, they're, I know this is gonna sound stupid, but I hope that some people actually rediscover their self-worth and their purpose when they realize they're not alone in a lot of their thoughts or a lot of their journey um, and in some countries, you do one thing and it's demonized. You do that same thing in another country and it's idolized. Um, and if one of those people who's had a hard trot doing something they love reads that it's possible to do that without being, you know, treated like a crim, then that if that helps, then then I'm really happy. That That's, you know, part of the intrinsic hope that this heals people and um, also entertains them, excites them and, yeah, makes them happy and reignites that that feeling that so many of us virtually everyone that writes you know that those those years of just like excitement and things being unique and i know it's not the same type of experience but one of the things i would say is doing this podcast has really reignited so much that i love about graffiti because i've got to really experience the variety of people's experiences and there's such a variety, but there's still so many common themes to what's actually happened and, you know, the, the benefits of it. So, you know, we're talking about it's perfect for a lockdown. Various parts of the world are in lockdown at the moment. So this is actually you know, November 2020. So if someone's listening to this at some other point, they're thinking, what are you talking about? Um, so in terms of then, when's the book actually out? It's out now. I guess, right? So as soon yeah. as people hear this, they can be like, right, I'm keen for this. Okay, the, the book is released. Um, I'm actually going to post in the next days, like an official, yep, we're rolling, this is it. Uh, the term that people seem to be um, saying at the moment, which, you know, the buzzword is, it's dropped. <laughs> uh, the joint has dropped, yo. Uh, nah, um, the book has dropped it's there it is on shelves um if you google it it exists uh obviously depending on where you are on the planet your google referencing will be um you know um, skewed subject to you know the algorithms um I, I hate all that the end of the day the book is available public art published it I'm a big fan if you're in a country that's not in Europe and you can't buy direct from Stylefile and I'm a big fan of supporting your local graph shop because I mean first of all all this lockdown crap has really made it hard some people haven't survived but go to the shop support your local graffiti dude and put some money on the table and commit to it but if they don't have it tell them they can order it it comes from Publicart, the Stylefile guys all the books that they've ever made come from there most shops have already ordered from Stylefile 
And in some cases within the country you live in, there's a partner to style file or public art that actually then distributes to local guys. So um, there is a way, uh, and if worse comes to worse, get online, get the ISBN off the Instagram and search for it. And I'm sure you'll find it, but it exists. Um, I'm sorry for all those people who are located at a distance from Europe, because obviously they've got to factor into shipping times. And if they are supporting their local graph store and the graph store guys ordered it, it still might be a few weeks before it gets there. But it is there. It does exist. It can be ordered. Just go and speak to somebody and get the wheels in motion or contact Stylefile and ask them, hey, I'm here. Where can I get this from? And then they can put you in the right direction. So just to clarify, so, so if mostly if people are in Europe or the Europe type area, style file would be the best. But in terms of then like support your local graph stores, because I'm, I'm sitting in Sydney and I'm like, mm, I wonder where it's available here. But I guess speaking to your local graph store, DM them on Instagram and say, yo, do you have untold stories book? I'm already thinking about quite a few people who will be interested in this. Shout out to the guy... Uh, or people behind books for crooks, they're um, they're pretty. I um, know they'll be excited, and I've got a couple of other pals who I've told told about this project, and they're like, "How can we get it? What's the shipping going to be like?" So I just wanted to discuss, you know, what's the best way, like we've said, um, to get it delivered. But um, it's it's definitely going to be worth it. So okay, so it's dropped, as you said. Um, <laughs> um, do you think, so you've said there's already probably going to be another one, but you know, you need a bit of a brain rest and actually have your life. Um, if someone was thinking about start doing doing a similar sort of project, so not the exact same thing, but they're like, I've had this idea in my mind to make a book about graffiti. Is there any advice you could give them to be like, don't do this or don't do that? Is there any little snippets that you've learned through this process where you would think yeah maybe not do that i know that's a very random question but i just always like to think if someone maybe hears this hears our speaking has been inspired and they start doing something and we could give them a bit of knowledge so is there any tips you've got for someone that wants to maybe publish their own magazine or book or whatever look there's there's a lot of things to consider um Firstly, I think it's really important to have a clear idea in your mind what it is you're making and why you're making it um, and be honest with yourself. If, for example, you're somebody who's prolific and has a lot and you think, because I want to get my shit out there, then be realistic about that because even though the graffiti publications, there's a flooding of them in the world and some of them are interesting only to certain parts of the world because of cultural reasons. So you have to be honest with yourself. If you're doing something that's probably more interesting for you and your boys, then self-publish. Just go on somewhere like blurb.com and create your own. Um, the other thing you've got to think about is you know, like who you're making this for. Are you making this for everybody to read? Are you making it just for writers? Are you making it for academic books? Um, I say that because professionally, I actually do work with a lot of people creating publications. So I work with different people doing different levels. Um, and there's, there's a lot of competition. And unfortunately, there's also a lot of 
uh, practical barriers like shipping. If you're in Australia and you want to make a magazine that's going to be a big hit in Europe, then it has to be realistic to you that you need to have some money behind you because you have to then transport the thing to the other side of the world. Um, and when you start going into the kind of practical side of things, finance, then you have to start asking yourself some moral things. You know, where am I going to print this? Do I want to print in China or do I want to print elsewhere? Um, for me, I am very happy with the fact that this book was made and bound in Europe. Um, and for me, I wanted a book to be a read for more than just graffiti writers. Um, and maybe for other people who are not part of graffiti culture to kind of get their head around it a little bit and maybe to build some empathy for those people. Because at the end of the day, it's nothing different than, you know, somebody who's not a musician reading a book about their favourite band. And even though those people in their favourite bands do bad things like they're drug addicts or they're addicts of some sort or they've hurt people because of their a phase in their life where they were doing shit that wasn't cool, at some point they get to the end of the book and still have empathy and still love the band and still think, you know, that person did some bad stuff, but, you know, nobody's born bad. Um, so for me, it was important not to just write a book to feed egos. Um, for me, it was important to capture something in history and for it to be accessible and also stimulating for people, not just writers. Um, so, yeah, I think for people making their own publications, first figure out, are you going to self-publish it or not? And if you're not self-publishing, then it gets more and more complicated because you then need to have an idea that a publisher is going to want to get behind. Um, and in my case, I didn't really have all those questions solved, but I knew that I was going to make this book, even if it meant I was going to go to some online self-published thing and print five of them. Um, but there would be something in my hand at the end and this baby was going to be born and I was going to look at it and say, yeah, I've done it. It's just happened that because I think I went into it with all the right um, mindsets, um, people who got involved or people like Crixel just went, hey, this this is all right. This, this has got legs. Um, and I think if you do anything with passion and for the right reasons, it'll, it'll work. You know, I look at somebody like Puzzle and the Puzzle book. I mean, to me, that was just gold when that came when that came to me. Uh, in my letterbox, uh, many, many thousands of kilometres away from Melbourne, um, it was awesome. And that was just for me like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm 15 again. <laughs> Except now I'm looking at the pictures that I didn't see back then. Um, and he self-published and created it all. And if, if I'm not wrong, he's graphically inclined for everything. So he's a like do-it-yourself guy. If you can do that, great. Um, I needed help because I can't, I don't have all those skills. I've got other skills. So you've got to know your skills too. That's a good point. You've got to know your skills and know how far you can go yourself. And if you need to have other aspects of the book done by other people, then you need to kind of form a team or, or work with people who you can trust. Um, and in doing so, a lot of the questions will answer themselves because if you can't afford to pay people, but people want to be on, on board, then the right people will most likely come to you. That's some great advice. And that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's, you know, it's after the fact, it's way easier to kind of look back and think, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I should have done it like that. I'm pleased to do it like that. But that's what learning is, isn't it? You know, it's going through that experience and it's actually the process. And even at the time, often it can seem stressful, time consuming. You then look back and think, oh, what have I learned? And even from the things which sometimes go horribly wrong, we can actually learn so much from it. So did you want to give anyone a shout out who's 
I know you've mentioned a fair few people, but is there anyone that you haven't mentioned that you'd like to give a shout out to? Because um, maybe they might hear this and, you know, think, oh, that's nice for a shout. Is there anyone you want to shout out that helped you make the book happen or was supportive or, you know, just anybody really? Uh, yes, I could lose myself in this. So I'll try and simplify <laughs> my apologize in advance if somebody feels like they weren't um, acknowledged it should have been. It's just that this, this has been literally a five plus year process. So um, there's a lot of people that had poignant moments where they did something, but they gave just a little push and then the, the project kept rolling. But basically, first of all, all the authors, because without them, this book wouldn't exist. They trusted in me. They shared something with me. Uh, and they, you know, put a little something into the world. So for me, that's just awesome. Uh, the main dude I worked with, Davida, um, he was, he always had my back and he often didn't know what I meant because he's not a writer himself. But as an ex-soccer hooligan, he always had this like little glimmer in his eye, like, yeah, okay, I get it. Never painted, but I get that. Um, especially when he was reading the stories and, and, you know, hearing some of the, what, they did that? And there was, what, a gunshot? You know, you could see the glimmer in his eye, like, I would have bought this book and read it. You know, this is cool. Um, I have all of my my guys that help me with the editing because um, before anything goes to print, you know, a lot of the stories are being read 50 million times. Um, another friend of mine, Dave, who helped me a lot with all the, like, you know, graphic stuff, post-production on online and all that kind of jazz. Um, all my friends, obviously, that put up with me during this period, and most of all, my wife. There was times there where I thought she was going to throw my computer through the window um, and say, if I hear one more thing about this book, I'm leaving you. But she's still here, so she's a champion. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope I've covered, and of course, public art. If, if it wasn't for public art, um, this would have happened. It just would have happened possibly in another way. And I think the way it happened was exactly the way it should have. So I'm um, grateful to everything they've done. Um, and and of course, I thank everybody that goes out and supports it because without you guys, um, you know, it stops here, which I hope it doesn't. So to make it as easy as possible for people to not feel like they've got to rewind and re-listen to all the various places in the show notes of this episode, I'm going to put in all the possible ways that you'll be able to find this book, how you're going to be able to find this book. I might even put the ISBN number in the show notes, you know, give people this because, you know, sometimes you think I'll get this and, you know, maybe with other books or things that you want to buy, it's a bit tricky to like work it out and then you just kind of bail. But I really want to give people as much opportunity and ways of getting this book because, you know, all the time, the effort, the love that's been put in by so many writers and, you know, yourself and as you said, your wife putting up with you know i think my my now wife i think if she hears me say the podcast again or toy division again i think she's gonna do a runner to be honest and we've only been married a few weeks but anyway that's a whole other side point so thanks so much for spending the time to really give an in-depth kind of background because again we're talking about the stories behind a book about the stories you know, that's that's why I wanted to get you on and talk to you because, you know, you, sometimes you hear a podcast 
um, and then someone this is hopefully sparks people's interests into the quality of this book and will hopefully be the first of many and I've got my metaphorical fingers crossed so thanks so much for doing this and as always I'm just going to stop recording okay that's episode 44 done and dusted I'm really looking forward to seeing untold stories when it's actually turns up because I'm getting a copy please subscribe give us a five-star review share with your mates and as I keep repeating the toy division t-shirts will happen it's just taking me a while to find the time to find the time to find the time anyway peace out toy division <laughs>